Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Today we're continuing our study on the attributes of God. We've looked at God's spirituality, His infinity, His eternality, unchangeability, omniscience, and wisdom. And if you've missed any of those broadcasts, you can just go to our website, ReformationVoice.com, and click on the link to listen. We began yesterday looking at God's power. And God's power could be defined as His ability to do whatever He pleases, His ability to do all His holy will. That there's nothing impossible for God. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And the Bible repeats this in a number of different ways in a, and in a number of different places. Luke 137 says, Nothing will be impossible with God. Genesis 18.4 says, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Matthew 19.26 says, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so we come to this, this challenge, perhaps, of dealing with God's power. Does God's power, his all power, his omnipotence mean that he can create contradictions? And maybe one of the you know, most kind of famous contemporary challenges against this is that can God create a rock too heavy for him to lift? What we know is that the word of God says, uh, Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things, no plan of yours can be... Thwarted. And when we talk about the omnipotence and all power of God, it means in practice the power to do everything that is rational and, and part of his, God's rational and moral perfection, part of his wisdom and goodness. Uh, those are the things God wills to do. And we mentioned this yesterday. That doesn't mean that God can do everything. He can't sin. He can't lie. He can't change his nature. He can't um, deny the demands of his holy character, but also it means that he can't do irrational things. Um, <laughs> he can't make a square circle uh, he, he, um, because that's a self-contradictory uh, thing. Can I he, pause just for a second yeah. to interpret why you paused there? Because <laughs> off air, you said things, and it's because off air we were talking about how those actually aren't things. Contradictions aren't actually existent things. They're, they're nonsensical things. They're yeah. absurd things. Untrue truths is not a, mm-hmm. uh, an ontological thing that you can go out in the universe and find. Right. And, and in, <clears throat> in the same way, the old uh, conundrum about can, can God make a rock so big that he couldn't lift it? It's a nonsense question. It's a word game. Uh, it, 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 it's a dead end. And, and, you know, and it's, I suppose it's intended to be. Uh, but, it's, it's it's nonsense. It's, it's, it's a, inherently it's, it's a, self-contradictory. It's yeah. inherently self-contradictory. It's a fun little word game to play in your head, but it, it, it doesn't lead anywhere, and it doesn't make any sense. Right, and just in case you're a listener and you're like, well, how would you answer the, the skeptic on that? Well, you can't answer it because if you say, uh, no, he cannot create a rock, you're saying he's impotent. 
And if you say, yes, he can create a rock that he can't lift, you're saying he's impotent. So in other, in other words, you're saying God can be omnipotent and Im, impotent at the same time. That's yeah. that's that, and and this is this is relevant because in Second Timothy two thirteen, Paul tells Timothy that God is faithful and He cannot deny Himself. So God can't be faithful and unfaithful to us. Mm-hmm. And this is a great assurance to our salvation right. that once He's made covenant with us, that He can't deny Himself. He's not going to break that covenant. I think pastorally I would answer it this way, that God creates rocks that we can't lift. <laughs> yeah. And he brings us into those moments um, where we face the obstacle that is beyond us. I mean, this is the storyline of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 32, where God is saying, go by this field on the, on the verge of an invasion. And the question for Jeremiah is, what are you doing? Why am I buying a field? That field is going to be owned by somebody else in a couple of days. This this is is nonsense. Mm-hmm. This is creating a rock bigger than you can lift. And and he goes to God in prayer and it says, "Oh Lord God, it, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched hand. Nothing is too hard for you." But he goes on in the prayer to basically say, "But this is." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the the rock that God creates that's bigger not than Him but than us. Mm-hmm. And I think that the pastoral answer is that there's never going to be a moment in our lives that God's power is not able to deliver us from, mm-hmm. whether that's our own sin or the circumstances or the threats of of the devil or uh, the power of the devil in 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 death and hell. Mm-hmm. Those are powers that mm-hmm. are bigger than us. Yeah but not bigger than, than the power of God. I think the point for me in bringing these questions up is, is to kind of show how, again, how we are to never to pit one attribute of God against another attribute of God. As, and it's very popular in our culture to think, well, God is love, and then that kind of so- somehow sweeps away his righteousness and his holiness. Right. And likewise, in, in God's power, you know, God can't exercise his power to work against his nature. And this is this is I think this is really important, and it does bring us mm-hmm. uh, a great deal of assurance. It's it's very like it's very much like God's morality. Does God's morality rest upon His will that these things He commands from us exist just as a naked expression of His will, or does these things He command from us, like do not lie, do not steal, rest upon His very nature? And of course, they rest upon his very nature. And, and, and God's power works the same way. Um, and his wisdom and his logic works the same way. These things don't rest upon his mere will, but upon who he is. Sharnock has just a beautiful um, quote. He says, The power of God is that ability and strength whereby he can bring to pass whatever, whatsoever he pleases, whatsoever his infinite wisdom may direct, and whatsoever the infinite purity of his will may resolve. As holiness is the beauty of all God's attributes, so power is that which gives life and action to all the perfections of the divine nature. How vain would be the eternal counsels if power did not step in to execute them. Without power, his mercy would be feeble pity. Mm. His promises are empty sound. His threatenings a mere scarecrow. God's power is like himself, infinite, eternal, incomprehensible. It can neither, neither be checked, restrained, nor frustrated by the creature. Mm. By the way, listener, 
If you want to read like one of the best books ever on the attributes of God, pick up Stephen Charnock's The Existence and Attributes of God. Now, you'll be reading it for a long time. <laughs> and make sure yeah, you do yeah. some weightlifting before you pick up the book because the <laughs> yeah. book weighs like 10 pounds. <laughs> but it is so good. Now, let, I guess let's, let's, for the rest of this program, let's just, uh, let's just kind of put some of these attributes together that we've been looking at. Any serious study of the attributes of God forces you to certain conclusions about who he is. Take, for instance, just three attributes. God's omniscience means he knows all things. God's wisdom means that he's always choosing the highest ends and best means to accomplish. And God's power means that he has the ability to do whatever he pleases and he rules over all. Now, those attributes, when you put them together, they force you to conclude that God is sovereign. As Nebuchadnezzar confessed, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. The inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. He does according to his will among the host of heaven. Now, when we say that God is sovereign, we don't merely mean that he is king, like a sovereign on earth who has authority in his own little kingdom, but obviously things aren't always happening in his kingdom that aren't according to his will. That's not the kind of authority or power that God has. God's power, his sovereignty extends over all things such that everything that that happens is an extension of his divine eternal plan. So, first of all, why do you think Christians in particular, why do we struggle with that, with that concept of God's sovereignty? I, I think we'll always struggle with it um, if we take the qualities of God's character and if we take God's sovereignty as an abstraction. If we take these qualities and just try to look at them or, or study them, apart from the narrative of the Bible and apart from our, our own lives and what God has done in our lives. Let me back up and say a little bit about that. It, <clears throat> the Bible never presents these qualities of the character of God to us as an abstraction, but as part of the narrative of God's saving work in history. That God's power, you, know, you ask how is God's power manifest in the Bible? Well, God in sovereign power and love uh, brought Egypt to its knees and liberated his people, led them out, as the Bible says, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Mm -hmm. And God led them into the wilderness and parted the waters of the Red Sea and uh, with with the love of a father uh, provided for them, manna in the morning and quail to eat. And God led them and revealed his law to them, revealed his character and you all know the story. I, I don't need to go into all, to all the details, but all, all of these qualities of God's character are in the context of God's saving acts. And so I would say the same thing. And, and of course, the, the ultimate is when God sent his son among us in the flesh uh, to go to the cross in our place. And God made his power manifest in what looked to the world like weakness on the, on the cross of Jesus as, as he bore our sin and in his resurrection victory. Um, and so I would say the same thing to the, to the Christian. Don't, all, all of these qualities of the character of God are wonderful. Treasure them and see them in the context of what God has done, what the Bible mm-hmm. tells us about the saving acts of God in history and in the context of what God has done and is doing in your own life right now, mm-hmm. this, this day. Uh, these qualities of the character of God um, make all the difference in, in your in your daily walk with the Lord, uh, because uh, the God, God does have power to save. 
Um, he does have wisdom to lead. Um, he, he surrounds you with his love and with his care. Sharnock is really helpful in this area with dealing with trying to understand God's sovereignty because he breaks it down into sovereign will and sovereign power. And so God is sovereign over what he decrees, his will, and he's sovereign in power and that he's unmatched in authority, but also absolute in, in authority. So, And they come together that the reason why his will always comes about is because his power is unlimited. Mm-hmm. And so those perfectly orchestrated together become his sovereignty, general term, but it's really two aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes what you have is the scriptures bring those together and talk about, um, like Psalm 86, it's a, it's a prayer of David, and he, and he says, um, there is none like you among the, the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's really bringing together God's works, his decrees, and his power, mm-hmm. his being. Mm-hmm. And so we tend to separate them, but in God they're all the right. They're essence, all together. The and, we, and, and there's some comfort in knowing that as well. We're serving a God that none can thwart, and you know, this is why it says in Psalm 2 that he sits in the heavens and laughs at those who plot against him. His will is always accomplished, as you're saying. We don't need to fear that anything's going to surprise him or undo his plan of redemption. Um, He has decreed it's going to be. And yet that power, that sovereignty is always hedged in and shaped by his holiness, his goodness, his love, and his justice. He doesn't exercise his sovereignty on a whim. It's all together. They're not abstractions. We need to remember those things. Amen. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. If you would like to get caught up on any of our past broadcasts, just go to ReformationBoise.com or you can email us for questions at info at ReformationBoise.com. We'll see you next time.